Well, hello, everyone. My name is Connor DeLynn, and thanks for listening to another episode of Millennial in the Middle. Today, we've got a fun episode. I think this is going to be a little more lighthearted, and uh, we should have a good time through a lot of this today. And the topic we're going to discuss is Donald Trump. We're going to talk about Donald Trump and specifically talk about that as it relates to the polls. Uh, we are in the middle of an election season right now, but I'll tell you what's a little crazy is if you watched the news, you would kind of forget that a little bit, right? Uh, you've got Joe Biden that's kind of off in hiding. The Democratic strategy right now is let's just keep Joe out of the news and let's make Donald Trump look as bad as possible. That's the Democrat strategy. And I'll tell you what. I don't think it's the worst strategy, right? And Donald Trump is taking everything in right now, but remembering that it's not going to be long until we have to vote again. Now, I haven't been around long enough to really remember a lot of elections. Uh, The first election I remember was 2008, Barack Obama and John McCain. And I was a a junior in high school at the time. Uh, I was kind of just in this mode where, you know, I was starting to discover myself a little bit more. I was on the debate team. I had a lot of really liberal friends. And I'll be honest with you, I got so excited about Barack Obama. Uh, One of Barack Obama's greatest strengths is he had the ability to reach out to the youth. Uh, He was the first president ever in the history of America that used social media, right? It hadn't been around before then. And all of a sudden... Barack Obama used Facebook and was connecting that way. And I was swept up in that. I was excited. I've talked about before that I went to the inauguration of Barack Obama in 2008, and I was really, really excited about it. I wasn't old enough to vote, but if I had, I probably would have placed my vote for Barack Obama. And uh, then I think the other, the most memorable election in my life definitely was 2016. And I think for most people listening, whether they're baby boomers, whether you're my Gen Xers, whether you're millennials, or especially Gen Z, it's the only one you remember. But the election of 2016 was just wild, right? And I think what was more wild than anything else was we all remember where we were on election night when all of a sudden the polls started coming in and going, Donald Trump's not going to win. Like, he's not going to win, right? Oh, yeah, he, 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 wait, it's kind of, is he? Is he? What, what's going on here? And as you saw on live television, the reporters across every channel trying to process what was going on because this was not the story that they planned on telling that night, right? And all of America was shocked. Now, what's so crazy is the polls got it so wrong, right? And if you look at where the polls are at right now for the election of 2020, It's crazy. Now, this is going to air a week after uh, I'm recording this right now, so maybe the polls are going to change in the next week. Who knows? But right now, if you were to look at this time at the end of July, uh, the beginning of August in 2016 compared to now in 2020, Hillary Clinton had about the same exact lead over Donald Trump in the polls that Joe Biden has over Donald Trump now right? So again, we're finding ourselves in this same spot of Donald Trump is way down in the polls, but he won in 2016. Is the same thing going to happen again? I I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe the polls got it totally wrong, but that was just a fluke in 2016. And maybe he is just going to get crushed this year. I don't know. But what I want to talk about today is really what I feel is the reason. Uh, I've got a little bit of an idea or theory of why the polls were so off in 16 and maybe why they might be off again in 2020. 
So before I dive into that, I have actually met Donald Trump twice. Uh, once as president. Now, when I say met, like shaken his hand and talked to him. Uh, once as president and another time as the guy from The Apprentice. Okay. So uh, I, I want to start with this story of when I met him as the guy from The Apprentice. So it was 2015, January of 2015. He announced that he was going to run for president in summer of 15, right? So in January of 15, uh, like you know, I was a speaker, I was working a lot, I was on the road, and I had a work trip out to LA, and I was flown out basically a day before the event started. So I had a day to kill. And when I was by myself on the road and I had a whole day to kill, I liked to go play golf, right? I'd go play different courses throughout the country. It was kind of fun and something that I could do by myself and meet other people along the way. So that's what I did. And I wanted a place somewhere on the ocean. So I looked up a few places. You know, I can't do that where I'm from. So look up a, up a, excuse me, look up a couple places on the ocean. And the only spot I'm able to get on is Trump National Golf Club in L.A. So I go. I went by myself. I get paired with three other guys that I'd never met before, two Canadians and a guy from Maryland. And we start playing. We're having a good time. It's beautiful right there on the ocean. And we're on about hole number four. And the cart girl, the beverage uh, the person that's bringing the beverages around, she drives up to us and she says, hey, gentlemen, just so you know, Donald Trump is on the golf course today. And when he is here, he plays through. So he's actually going to be playing. It's just him and the pro. It's the two of them. They're just going to play through really quick. If you don't mind, it's really fast and they'll be right out of your way. So what do we say? We're like, oh, for sure. I'm so excited. I love The Apprentice, right? This is the guy from The Apprentice. This is a celebrity. I'm going to get to meet him. And so we say, okay, that's awesome. You yeah, no problem. And then I ask, you know, do you think it'd be okay to get a picture? She goes, yeah, you can get a picture. I'm like, awesome. And so uh, she's like, he's pretty cool. He'll take it. So we keep playing. Now I'll tell you, right at that point, my golf game went to crap because I wasn't thinking about golf. I was thinking about, hey, where's Donald Trump, right? Where's he at? I'm so excited to see his hair, right? Uh, he was wearing a hat, though, because he was on the golf course, so I didn't really get to inspect it the way I wanted to. But uh, a couple holes later, uh, we see Donald Trump come up behind us, and we kind of just pull off to the side. He hits a shot. We watch him come in. He pulls up to us, and we actually watch him play, you know, just for a few minutes as he hits his putt and goes through small talk with us. Hey, gentlemen, how are you? You enjoying the course? Beautiful day. Exactly what you'd expect. And he goes to, uh, you know, he starts walking back to his cart, and I was the one that was volunteered to have to, you know, ask, hey, uh, Mr. Trump, would it be okay if we got a picture for you with you? So I ask, and he goes, yeah, no problem. Let's just take one picture, a group shot, rather than taking individuals. We were all excited. We, we get a shot. I'll actually, I'll connect this uh, picture to this podcast. And uh, we get a picture from Donald Trump. We're like, oh, that's awesome. There's the guy from The Apprentice. He starts walking back to his cart. Gentlemen, have a great day. And then as he's about to pull away, one of the guys in my group, this is the guy from Maryland, says to him, hey, Donald, should we expect you to run for president next year? And it was so funny because Donald went from being in a hurry and just rushing through to the next hole to all of a sudden he stopped. He got out of his cart. He came back and walked up to us and he said, well, why would I have your vote? And all of a sudden, we saw this little flip happen in his head where he went from being in a hurry to now he wanted to chat politics. 
we're all about it. And the guy goes, well, I, I'm from one of the bluest nations in the uh, bluest bluest states in the nation, uh, so I don't think it really mattered on my vote. But yeah, I'd vote for you. And he goes, I think my grandma would too. And then he looks at the other two guys that were together, and he goes, uh, what about you guys? They say, we're from Canada. And he goes, ah, you're from Canada? I don't care about you. And he looks at me, and he says, where are you from? And I said, ah, I'm from Utah. And he goes, oh, are you a Mitt Romney fan? And I said, yeah, I was a Romney fan. I voted, I voted for Romney in 2012. And he goes through the line that we've all heard him say on TV, you know, a hundred times. He goes, ah, Romney was a loser. That guy was a loser. He blew it. He blew it against Obama. He should have beat Obama. And I was like, well, yeah, I just kind of shrugged. Like, what do I really say to that? No, I can testify that he has been saying that uh, Mitt Romney's a loser for five years, right? It's the same thing he said then. It's the same thing he says now. And then he just starts talking to us. And he goes, well, he's like, you may need, may need me to run because the last thing we need right now is another Bush or another Clinton. That was the time that Jeb and Hillary were the front runners, right? And we're kind of, we kind of nodded our heads like, yeah, I think you can say that again. We don't need either of these dynasties back in the White House. And he just starts chatting with us about politics. And I'll be honest, he was really cool with us. And I didn't realize at the time that he was feeling out where we stood. We, in his mind, were just people that were out there that he wanted to have this conversation about where our mindsets were. And so we talked to him for a few minutes. He walks away, and he's like, all right, I've got I've to head out. Jumps back in his golf cart, and as he's pulling away, he says something that honestly just left all of our jaws to the floor. And he says, remember, boys, now... I'm going to censor this. He didn't censor it in real life. He hits, hits the gas, goes to pull away, and he turns back and he yells at us real loud. Remember, boys, you need me in the White House because no one can F with the banks like I can. We were speechless. And he just drives away. Have a good one. And we are like, who is this guy? What does that even mean? No one can F with the banks like I can? And so we got a good laugh out of it. You know, we talked about it the rest of the day, the rest of the round. We just kept reliving this experience. And it was funny because when the guy that I was playing golf with asked that question, Dominic, we expect you to run for president, it was a joke. It was a joke to the whole country. When we said it to him in person, he wasn't going to run for president. He wasn't a politician. We said that all in a joking manner, right? But to Donald, that day, it, it wasn't a joke. In his mind, it was a reality. It was something that he thought a lot about. Whether he was going to do it or not, that was the question. And then I will always remember where I was the day that he announced he was running for president. If you remember the speech that he gave, that was when he made the descent down the escalator with Melania in Trump Tower, walked down and gave a speech, and that's when the madness began. Uh, that was the speech that he uttered the you know infamous words. You know, uh, he's talking. He basically said, "All oh, Mexicans are rapists." But not all of them. I assume some of them are good people. And you're like, oh, man, this guy just killed his campaign on day one, right? And somehow, for the next you know, 18 months or whatever it was, he said thing after thing, made statement after statement, and act after act that you would think would just end all of his chances. And it didn't, right? Now, it's kind of funny. We all remember these elections. Donald Trump would not be allowed on my podcast. 
Why? Because he couldn't keep rule number one. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I talk about the three rules of this podcast. Uh, rule number three is we're always seeking to listen, le- learn, understand first. Rule number two is that we're never going to get angry. We don't have to be divisive or even raise our voices. We can do this in a calm, level-headed manner. But what's rule number one? No name calling. He couldn't live by number one rule in this podcast, right? And what was interesting is his, I mean, the best or worst, whatever you want to say, name caller in the nation is was this man, Donald Trump, running for president. I mean, think about how he ended political careers by labeling people. The one that, that uh, ranks at the very top is low energy Jeb. The minute he labeled Jeb as low energy, he was never able to live that down. This was the front runner. This is the guy that everyone thought was going to win. And Trump, in an instant, destroyed his political career. Think of some of the other nicknames. Crooked Hillary, Little Marco, Lion Ted, Pocahontas, right? You remember these names. And he just had this ability to give people names. In fact, some of the most memorable moments of the campaign for me were, uh, I'll tell you about two of them. One, uh, you know, no one thought he had a chance in the primaries. And so it was interesting early on in the primaries because none of the Republican candidates who we thought were the serious candidates, at least they thought they were, right? Uh, And the media thought they were. They didn't touch him. In the early debates, Donald Trump was over just having a sideshow by himself, and everyone else was like, we're going to talk issues, and we're just going to ignore that reality TV star because he'll self-implode. And then there was a point where all of them realized, oh, crap, like this guy's going to win, and so we better start attacking him. We better go on the offensive. And you saw Ted Cruz, you saw Marco Rubio start to go at Donald. You know, or the one event that uh, Jeb came came at him really hard and Trump just kind of laughed like, oh, Jeb, you got more energy tonight, right? But the moment I remember is when Marco Rubio decided to go back at him. And this is when he'd been being called Little Marco, Little Marco, Little Marco for the last little while now. And Marco kind of makes a statement going at Trump. And Trump says, all right, Little Marco. And Marco looks back at him and he goes, okay, Big Donald. And there was this look on Trump's face like, Big Donald. I like that. I'll take Big Donald. Thanks for the compliment. And it was just this moment of no one knew how to handle Donald Trump. And I'll be honest, he's been in the White House now four years, and I still don't think people quite know how to handle Donald Trump. We've never seen anyone like him, and I don't know if we'll ever see anyone like him again. But now there's this question of, so now we're leading up to the election. He wins the primary. He's now going against Hillary. And I mean, those debates, some of them were just absolutely disasters. Some some absolute disasters. Some were entertaining, kind of. There wasn't a whole lot of like traction. It felt like he came, some of them he'd come super subdued. Others of them he'd come really mad. And uh, you remember the one that he was pacing behind Hillary the whole time? Uh, SNL, Saturday Night Live made fun of it with the Jaws. And I mean, he just broke all the rules, right? I mean, think about the other line. The most memorable line in all the, all the debates that uh, he was a part of is when Hillary Clinton made the comment. She goes, she's trying to make a jab at Donald here. And she goes, well, it's a good thing we don't have someone like Donald Trump with his temperament running our criminal justice system. And then Donald Trump grabbed the mic and he said in a low voice, because you'd be in jail. 
And everyone laughed. It was like this stand-up show, right? The reaction of the audience to that, but even more importantly, the reaction of Hillary Clinton. She was just shocked. No one knew how to handle this guy, right? And no one knew how to handle him up until the election, election night. In fact, I remember, we all remember where we were that day. I was flying to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico to speak at an event. And that morning, there was someone I worked with that was, uh, he was a big Trump guy. And he's all excited at the start of the day. We took an early morning flight. It was 6 a.m. He's like, oh, Trump's going to win. Trump's going to win. Trump's going to win. And I remember looking at him and saying, Robbie, he's not going to win. Shout out to Robbie. (laughs) But I said, Robbie, he's not going to win. There's no chance. And he goes, what do you mean? And so I actually pulled up on my phone. You know how when you watch CNN or Fox and they have that like predictive uh, map of the Electoral College and they show you the states that could go blue, could go red and put them in the middle and then they start to add up all the delegates. Well, I pulled up that map on that, that app on my phone with him and I started walking through things and I said, Robbie, look, here are the 12 swing states. Donald Trump has to win every single one of these to win because all these states are going blue 100 percent for sure there's these states that are kind of in the middle and watch if he loses even one of these he loses and i remember watching the look on robbie's face i'm sorry robbie because i just destroyed your heart that day he was so sad like oh you're right i guess there just isn't a chance And I went through that day not even really paying that much attention at first to the results coming in because I felt I already knew the outcome. And me, like everybody else, was then just shocked as the results came in. And Donald Trump not only won all of those swing states that morning I said he needed to win, but he won a couple others that weren't even in question or earlier in that morning in my mind and from everything I'd heard. Now, how is that the case? How did the polls get it so, so wrong with Donald Trump? Well, I have a theory, and I want to share it with you. And to introduce this theory, I'm going to play a little clip from one of my favorite comedians, Jim Gaffigan, about McDonald's. Now, we're going to listen to this clip, and then I'm going to tell you why this connects. I reference McDonald's a lot because I go to McDonald's. I love the silence that follows that statement. Like I just admitted to support dog fighting or something. How could you? McDonald's. It's fun telling people you go to McDonald's. They always give you that look like, oh, I didn't know I was better than you. No one admits to going to McDonald's. They sell six billion hamburgers a day. There's only 300 million people in this country. It's like, hmm, I'm not a calculus teacher, but I think everyone's lying. You ever been at McDonald's and you see a friend for a second, you're like, oh, crap. Eventually you're like, hey, 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 what's going on? They're just like, I'm just here for the 99 cent ATM. What are you doing here, Jim? I'm just beating a hooker. Oh, I love this clip. Uh, One, I think we've maybe all been there with McDonald's. But I think in this case, Donald Trump is McDonald's. 
Why? Well, let me explain. I love what Jim Gaffigan says here. He says, first off, it's fun telling people you go to McDonald's. They always give you that look like, oh, I didn't know I was better than you. The same look a lot of people get when they say, ah, I voted for Donald Trump. But I love when he says, no one admits to going to McDonald's. They sell six billion hamburgers a day. There's only 300 million people in the country. I'm not a calculus teacher, but I think everyone is lying. Now, here's why I say that. I realize Donald Trump didn't win the popular vote. More people voted for Hillary than did Trump. But Trump won the Electoral College in a landslide. And say what you want, maybe that's a debate for a later day, but those are the rules that were established before anything happened. Trump won the election the way we have it set up in our country, no matter how you feel about the Electoral College. Millions and millions, wow, I just sounded Trumpy, millions and millions of people voted for Donald Trump. Yet, how did they get the polls so wrong? And I think it's exactly because of what Jim Gaffigan's talking about here. No one wants to admit they go to McDonald's, but a lot of people do. It's not something they're necessarily proud of, right? But a lot of people go there. Now, here's why I want to bring this up. Voting for Donald Trump doesn't mean that you support everything he's ever said and done. And it doesn't mean that you're with him 100% of the time, all the time. The same thing for voting for Hillary Clinton or whoever, right? Doesn't mean you support everything they've ever done, every stance they have, and everything they've ever said, right? What that means is that when you showed up to the ballot box in 2016 and you looked at your two options, that you voted for Donald Trump if you did, right? That's what it means. Now, I want to take this McDonald's example just a little bit further. And I had a conversation recently with someone that uh, I said, you know, I I love McDonald's breakfast. Now, this is me in real life. I said, I I love McDonald's breakfast. I personally feel that McDonald's hotcakes are the greatest thing ever. They're like my favorite pancakes. I know that sounds a little crazy. And then he looked at me and he's like, oh, you're right. I love the sausage egg McMuffin. He said, there is nothing better than a sausage egg McMuffin. And we continued this conversation, and we both basically joked about how neither of us can remember the last time we had a burger from McDonald's. Like, I don't go to McDonald's for that, but I do go to McDonald's for breakfast occasionally, and I love it. It's good, and I'll admit that, right? And I think that's how a lot of people feel about Donald Trump. They're like, listen, I don't support McDonald's as an institution, There are a lot of things about McDonald's that are flat out disgusting. The McRib is so gross. I can't even like think about that food. The filet of fish. Who goes to McDonald's for a fish sandwich, right? And the aftermath of going to McDonald's, I think, is what keeps a lot of people away. Let's be real. But here's why I say this. People can pick and choose like, man, I I don't go to McDonald's. McDonald's is the worst. I hate that place. But that sausage egg McMuffin is so good. Have you tried their hash brown? Man, it's the best. I'll support the hash brown. I'll support the sausage egg McMuffin. And here's where I think a lot of us, you know, I talk about being in the middle. And I've had some people be like, oh, Connor, you're not in the middle. And I've also had people say, Connor, are you going to stay neutral on everything? Are you going to make sure you like never tell people who you vote for, or what you really feel? Are you going to really try to remain, this, uh, remain neutral? And the answer is no. That's not what being in the middle is. Sometimes, well, no, always in the middle. You have to make a decision. Being in the middle means that you're not going to make up your mind based on a party. 
It means that you're not going to show up and say, I want to vote a straight ticket Republican or a straight ticket Democrat because I can't think for myself and that's how I feel. Like I said from the beginning, being in the middle also means that you may lean right on some topics and lean left on others. Politics and life are way too simple to boil it down to, are you a Republican or a Democrat? And by that decision, this is now how I feel about 87 different topics. It's just not how it works. And what also is important to realize is I think the biggest factor in who people vote for for president are the, is the issue that matters most to them. No one is ever going to agree with that candidate on everything. If they do, well, guess what? They're in the extremes. If they don't, they're somewhere in the middle. We've talked about that the middle is very inclusive. The middle is getting bigger and bigger. And that's where I am. And that's where you probably are. There are things that Donald Trump has done and said that, of course, I would never stand by. They are disgusting. To me, they're the filet of fish To me, they're the McRib. But when I showed up at the polls in 2016, I voted for Donald Trump. Why? Because the most important things for me personally that I view at the top of the list when I vote for president are the economy and foreign policy. And when given my choices in 2016, I voted for Donald Trump. Now, here's what's crazy. I, I thought about doing this and like, ah, oh, should I tell people this? Like, oh, what if I lose viewers or lose audience? Listen, if I lose viewers for saying that that's the decision I made in 2016, you're missing the point of this whole podcast. The point is that we need to have real conversations. We need to help each other. We need to find different perspectives and learn and be educated and then actually do something about it. Being in the middle doesn't mean you're undecided. Being in the middle doesn't mean you just, oh, I'm not going to do anything, so maybe I just won't show up to vote, right? That doesn't do any good either. But we have to approach things with that mindset of where do we really stand here? Now, I've heard this a lot in closing specifically talking about this 2020 election as people have talked to me lately, especially as I've started this podcast. People are like, Connor, like, how is it that our best options, that our only two options for president right now are Joe Biden and Donald Trump? Like, come on, can't we do better? I agree with that statement 100%. Uh, in fact, think about it. It's like we are having the world over and we're about to show them our, our gourmet food. And we have amazing food in our country. We have amazing restaurants. We have amazing chefs. And we invite the world over for dinner. And we say, okay, we've picked two of our best options here. We're so excited to feed you this American cuisine. Here are your options. McDonald's or Burger King. Aren't these awesome? And I'll be honest, I feel that's what this election in 2020 is like. I think a lot of people felt that that's what our election was like in 2016. We had to decide between McDonald's or Burger King. I chose McDonald's in 2016. If the election were tomorrow, I probably am going to go with that sausage egg McMuffin again. And here's why I say that. Like, listen, that's what being in the middle is all about. And that's why it's so important, especially with us millennials, that we get involved. I really hope that in 20 years, you know, in an election, in the 2040 election, that we got better options than Burger King and McDonald's. But for right now, that's not the reality.
this is where we're at. So what, do we just stay uninvolved? Do we not care? Do we ignore it? Do we not go vote? No, that's not the answer. We have informative discussions. We learn, we educate ourselves, we get involved. We treat people with love, kindness, respect, even if our president currently isn't a good example of that. I get that. He's not. I told you earlier, Donald Trump would not be allowed on this podcast because he breaks all the rules. Listen, I'll have the answers. But what I do hope, what I will say in conclusion at at this podcast is right now, we, if you look at the polls, we are in the same spot in August of 2020 that we were in August of 2016. And are we really going to be all that surprised if the same thing happens again? Because at the end of the day, if if McDonald's is serving 6 billion burgers a day and there's 300 million people in the country, some of us are lying. And it may be because we're in a political climate where people don't feel that they can share that or they're not proud of that. And who knows? Maybe we'll see a repeat. I don't know. Maybe the polls will be right this time. Anyway, hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I told you I had two stories about Donald Trump. I didn't tell you the other. I'll tell you that at some other point. I had the chance to meet him. It's actually a hilarious story. Uh, He kind of picked me out of the crowd. And I'll tell you that later. So there's a little teaser. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I really, really appreciate the support. I can't believe how positive the feedback is, man. I love that I have fans of this podcast on both ends of the spectrum. I love that I have fans of the podcast that are millennials, that are Gen Z, and that are baby boomers. This is for everyone. We are all in the middle. This is an inclusive thing, and we're all just trying to get through this crazy world. Until next time, clowns to the left me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. See you next time.